Welcome to We Talk Banking Finance with Walkers, where we talk to colleagues and peers about the latest trends in offshore finance. Welcome to We Talk Banking and Finance with Walkers. The summer holidays are well behind us and the podcast is back for its second season. And we've got a lot to talk about, so if you haven't yet subscribed, be sure to do so. I'm Zoe Hallam, Group Partner in the Banking and Finance team in Guernsey, and my co-host today is Julia Kepi, our newest group partner in the Jersey Banking and Finance team. It's great to be back in the studio with you, Julia. It is great to be here, Zoe. Thank you very much. Julia and I will be joined shortly by Matt Wright, Director at Leonard Curtis Business Solutions Group, and we're going to be talking to Matt about his experience of the global financial crisis and the differences between what we're seeing in markets now and in the aftermath of the 2008 crash. But before we get Matt into the studio, let's just reflect on what is happening with the economy at the moment. To kick off, I mean, we've had a relatively busy summer at Walkers on the deals front, but we're noticing a definite trend towards new deals focusing on the enforcement angle from the outset. There's a definite uptick in enforcement-related work in the last 12 to 18 months, and related to that sort of security reviews, advice on security enforcement, and upfront enforcement advice on, on our new money deals. This trend tends to suggest that banks are preparing themselves for an economic downturn that most have been anticipating since the start of COVID and certainly since the start of the war in Ukraine. I guess this is symptomatic, really, of the general economic climate. I read recently that the US fell into technical recession at the end of Q2, with two consecutive down quarters in terms of GDP growth. Unemployment in the US is still near all-time lows, but this recession is indicative that growth will be hard to come by this year in the US or elsewhere. Furthermore, the Fed seems to be willing to run the risk of a recession in order to beat inflation. And inflation is something we're obviously all talking about on this side of the Atlantic. A city have predicted 18% by next year, and that's hoping that the estimate hasn't increased in the time between recording this podcast and going to air. Inflation is now a real concern as the cost of living rises globally, and that's going to have an impact on liquidity in the market. So with all that in mind, let's bring in an expert. We're joined today by Matt Wright, Director with Leonard Curtis. Uh, Leonard Curtis offers strategic advice in the restructuring space and focused on solving problems in SME businesses. Whilst the group operates from 21 locations across the UK, Matt is the very lucky one to be heading up the Guernsey office. I first met Matt in the Cayman Islands 10 or so years ago, and I'm going to let him tell you how he came to be in Cayman and then what brought him to Guernsey. But suffice to say, he's experienced the global financial crisis of 2008, has extensive experience of appearing before the US courts in Chapter 11 proceedings, and now brings that experience to the Channel Islands. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So perhaps before we launch into today's macroeconomic climate, can I ask you just to give our listeners a brief overview of your career to date? Um, and how you came to work in both the Cayman Islands and now the Channel Islands. Sure. Well, I started my, I have a chartered accountant, so I started my accountancy career at Ernst & Young in London. Um, I've worked solely in restructuring since I started in the early 2000s. I was very fortunate to work on some of the big ticket restructurings that came out of EY in London, which included TXU, uh, the London Underground, and then toward the financial crisis working on the UK arms of the Icelandic banks. I then moved to the Cayman Islands at the start of 2009, initially supposed to be for 12 months, but that ended up being nine years, as I'm sure is a, a common trope with offshore people. Once I arrived in Cayman, uh, the major part of our work was working on the Bernard Madoff fraud, um, which was approximately 50-odd billion of losses from a fraudulent hedge fund. I then moved to Rawlinson & Hunter, where I ran their restructuring offices 
in Cayman and the British Virgin Islands. And I think what we worked on at RNH was quite innovative, light touch restructurings. We dealt with the SIVA logistics, which was a billion dollar plus revenue business. Um, and then we focused and specialized on fraud and asset recovery. One of the biggest cases would be the Platinum Partners case, which is still working its way through the criminal courts um, in New York. Um, as part of that, I, I was an office holder in the Cayman Islands and the British Virgin Islands, and then worked with a number of US law firms on Chapter 7, Chapter 11, and Chapter 15 um, restructurings through the US Bankruptcy Code. I then moved to Guernsey at the start of 2019, with a view set up Lenny Curtis's first offshore office. Um, I think that from analysis, I found that the Channel Islands was slightly underserved when it came to restructuring services and we felt that there was a gap in the market we looked to leverage our relationships with offshore law firms to build a practice here and hopefully in the near future we'll also have an office in jersey so thanks for that matt and you know as zoe and i were just saying a few moments ago we're certainly noticing the trend over the past 12 to 18 months or so for the banks and lenders to you know get their ducks in a row ahead of possible restructuring within borrower groups and or security enforcement. I mean, it, it feels like it's coming. It feels like the, the mood is shifting. Do you agree? What, what are you seeing at the moment? What are your predictions for the insolvency and restructuring market over the next 12 months or so? And, and do you think, or how is this different to the global financial crisis? Yeah, I think we're seeing the same markers. Uh, in fact, one of the reasons we looked to get a foothold in the Channel Islands in 2019 was just studying economic cycles in general. What COVID strangely seems to have done is actually extended that bull market and kicked the can down the road, for want of a better term, for, for a number of companies. I think that COVID loans and, and support have allowed some businesses that were already in trouble um, to stay on life support for another two plus years. And I think now that the world is returning to quote unquote normal, we'll start to see those struggling businesses come to the end and need restructuring. Some will survive and I think some will fall by the wayside. The supply chain issues that have come out of COVID have exacerbated matters. Um, we're obviously seeing the headlines on high inflation with interest rates rising and cost of living, which will affect um, consumer spending and property. So I think that those those markers are all there and um, ordinarily you tend to see things start to happen in September when everyone's back from their summer breaks and decision makers start to move and, and address the files that they've got on their desks. The other thing as well, I think in any downturn that we need to be cognizant of is the unveiling of frauds. We saw that significantly in 2009. Once people had realized they couldn't borrow anymore or in the investment perspective, people were withdrawing their money via redemptions and then frauds become uncovered. From that as well, my personal um, thoughts on that are that we're probably seeing a lot of money flowing through unre unregulated or less regulated businesses. So things like the crypto market and FX trading, which has involved consumers that probably wouldn't have been investing in those types of products in, in the last downturn. I think some of those once cost of living bites and start to want their money back 
we may start to see some issues with those with those fundamentals. That's really interesting, particularly around the unregulated and, and the forward market. I think I completely agree as well on the COVID loans and it being a support. I think we've been joking for about two and a half years now that we're all going to be retraining as uh, restructuring lawyers, and it's just just not quite come about. But but maybe the tide is turning. Anyway, thank you. That's really interesting perspective. Yeah, we, we've definitely been talking about forbearance. I think a lot over the last year or so. So to definitely agree with sort of your analysis there of of COVID having extended having extended that market. And you talk about fraud a little bit um, and, and how that was that how that was unveiled in, in 2009. What else do you think we learned from the global financial crisis that you're going to be um, or the tools that you're going to be using this time around or, or have things changed in the intervening period? Sure. I, I, I like to think we've all learned a lot from 2008 and, and I'll try and put through some bullet points. I think uh, a lot of the offshore lawyers, especially at the senior level, will have worked post-2008 and will have seen a lot of restructurings. And that tends to mean that corporate lawyers do have a a small restructuring hat as well, which is particularly helpful when engaging with clients and lenders. I think Zoe will probably be able to opine on this, but from what I'm seeing, security documents are a lot tighter than they were pre-2008. And I also think that lenders uh, the 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 major lenders tend to have a much stronger balance sheet and understand the assets that they got involved in this time around i know there's a huge issue with subprime mortgage crisis and uh, banks entering into cdo transactions and the rating agencies probably didn't quite understand what they were getting involved in i think that should be different this time around with with more liquidity in the market i think that's that's absolutely uh, absolutely right. And certainly, I would say it's um, my view that, that lenders have paid a lot more attention to the assets um, in respect of which they're making the loans. Um, so I don't know if you'd have a different view, but I, I think that's quite an important difference um, there, as well as also the capital adequacy uh, point that you mentioned. So on that note, what, what would be your one key piece of advice for, for lenders today? You know where where they've got their clients in distress or anticipating distress in the future. Do you have do you have one sort of key piece that you'd you'd like them to to focus on? I've got about eight, if that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's one fundamental point that that lenders should should really look out for. I, I think diligence is is the number one. Um, understanding your clients, understanding what their pressures are, understanding the sector and industry that they're in, um, engaging with them. Um, I think we all know the standard red flags of distress, which will be the resignation of auditors, the resignation of senior staff or directors, um, certainly misrepayments on, on, any, on, on any loans. Um, and, and getting ahead of these issues, I think, is really important. The, the contingency planning, I think, is stronger than it was from what I saw in 2008, 2009. Um, lenders seem to be preempting a, a lot of the issues which is great, but it also doesn't mean that you've got to solve all plan. It doesn't mean that your contingency plan on your file is going to solve any problems coming up. And at risk of advertising my own services and, and that of, of uh, insolvency lawyers, I think that engaging with professionals earlier is, is certainly going to help. I think what I found in 09, 10 was that we were called in at a panic situation, and that is just going to be costly we will go down a lot of dead ends. Um, and I think when a contingency, a contingency plan is in place, engaging with the professionals to understand it, and then also engaging with management of the clients 
would certainly help. One of the the other things that I think from the the legal and legislation side of things that has improved in the in the fourteen years is that case law has has come forward from the the issues that we had in two thousand eight two thousand nine. Certainly from the enforcement actions on security and from the funds perspective the the priority of redemptions and and how funds are wound down and the use of suspensions um, to allow breathing space for some of these restructuring plans to go through. It should really mean lower fees for insolvency practitioners and restructuring lawyers because, one, they should have seen it all before relatively recently, certainly within um, one career span. But also I think that the cross-border assistance, should anything go legal, we now have quite a well-trodden path of assistance from other courts. So when you've got a quite a complex structure with an onshore trading company that has some offshore aspects, it may well be that you need the assistance of the US court, the UK court, the Guernsey court, and possibly Hong Kong, all to work in, in coordination. And those things were quite difficult in 2008, 2009. They hadn't really been seen before. And I think from my discussions with judges, they seem a lot more au fait with um, interacting with other jurisdictions, which hopefully will help for a smoother restructuring plan to get it blessed in the various jurisdictions it needs to. Um, and then also to hopefully allow the underlying company to, to be fixed rather than to be in a, uh, an end of, end of life scenario. No, c- completely agreed. I mean, yeah, there's, there has, unfortunately, I guess, in, in one perspective, been a, a fair bit of restructuring over the years, um, you know, um, even after the sort of crash and the immediate aftermath of that. And, you know, we, we talk a lot and have talked a lot over COVID about security enforcement. And, you know, I, it, it totally self-serving, but our advice is the same. Call us early. It just makes it so much easier in terms of planning and timing and all the pressures that go with a sort of distress situation. I was just going to say as well, um, slightly self-serving, is to remember <laughs> the offshore component. If you're an onshore lawyer or onshore lender and you're dealing with a quite a complex group and there could be cross-collateral throughout a group, don't simply focus on where the centre of main interest is because I have seen it in the past where a Guernsey component in a security arrangement can really scupper a restructuring. Um, and it is a slightly frustrating sometimes when we're called at the last minute to push through um, a consensual restructuring or via a liquidation or an administration to find that actually those pieces don't work because they weren't considered when this plan was put in place. Last question from us. Um, and it's our, it's our regular feature. It's our crystal ball section. If we're having this conversation again in 12 months time, what do you think we're going to be talking about? More of the same, where we have lived a few of these restructurings, these sort of processes, or do you think it will, will still be in anticipation? Uh, obviously, I'll caveat that by saying that I'm not, um, not psychic. <laughs> so there is the potential for us to have exactly the same conversation in 12 months' time and nothing much has changed. I think people are very uh, reticent to, to take any aggressive action, certainly from lenders, um, especially when there's percent potential for for government assistance, the the Russia situation is is going to roll on and potentially cause more energy issues in in mainland Europe. Um, inflation doesn't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon. I think I read yesterday that Citibank are predicting 13, 14 percent inflation for early next year, and I think that we will see company failures, but probably the weakest ones. 
Um, but again, if, if you're a lender in those, it's key to get ahead of the game and have a plan in place. And I do think we will probably be having a similar discussion in 12 months' time, as I don't think much clarity will have been provided. But who knows? I think we just need to be cautious and, and protect our clients and make sure that we're doing the right thing. Um, but the key really, I think, is is to engage. There is a very strong sentiment for, for directors to bury their head in the sand. Um, and they will say that everything's okay when in fact it's not. So the onus is slightly on the lenders and through their lawyers to really do some stress testing and offering assistance because the, you're not the bad guys. This isn't a case of we, we want our money back. It's a case of you want your loans to be good. Well, that's, that's fantastic. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining us today, Matt. And um, yeah, you might well be back in twelve months' time to uh, see if your predictions ring true. So uh, we look forward to speaking to you then. Thank you very much for having me. You've been listening to We Talk Banking and Finance from Walkers. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe.